When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Decibel Geek Podcast with Aaron Camaro and Chris Sinja. Look, it's rock and roll, and what a better way to start the week. That's right, we are the Decibel Geek Podcast, coming back at you once again. Aaron Camaro, that's me, and there's Chris Sinzak right there. What's up, man? Uh, dodging technical difficulties, but otherwise We got this good. under control. Nothing's smoking. I don't see no sparks. I think we just need to hurry up and record this before... Your mixing board starts spitting and sputtering over there. No, we might have to get more donations soon so we can buy some <laughs> new equipment. If we sound a little distorted, apologies, but uh, it's going to sound a lot better in here in a minute. Um, yeah, so had a huge response, apparently, to the Supergroups episode that we did. Yeah, something crazy happened on Saturday, and we're not exactly sure what it is. Yeah, we had, like, almost record numbers for... Our, our downloads it was strange on a saturday on a saturday and usually the end of the, the weekend is usually kind of not dead i mean we still get a, f- a few downloads but it's like not nearly the amount we got yesterday but we're talking about like people going way back in the archives and, and downloading all kinds of stuff not yeah. just last week's but all kinds of stuff yeah stuff from like almost every yeah every episode like in the history of the show got downloaded at least once it was That's strange pretty cool. that tells me that we must be doing something right because people are starting to catch on to what we got going on here i always knew that when we start doing this that there were still rock and rollers out there in the world and we're finding out by doing this that we're creating this community i don't remember what the old catchphrase was but we are creating a community here building a uh Local music scene with a worldwide audience. That's it. That's the one. That's what we're doing. And more and more people are finding out about it and getting involved. And uh, we got something special lined up for you today. You know, if you're familiar with the Decibel Geek podcast, you know, you are probably at least a little bit familiar with the band Hair of the Dog. And I had the opportunity. I know every once in a while we go on our little solo excursions. You know, you had one not too long ago with Ken Barr. And this time I got to go hang out with John Spettis from Hair of the Dog, as well as our good friend Ryan Cook, who's been on the show before. Yeah, Ryan's been on a few times and uh, will be on more times in the future, I'm sure. Absolutely, because we love that guy. Yeah, so Aaron was able to take some time out and you'll kind of get the whole history told as told by John and Ryan. And it's, uh, it's real interesting to listen to. And this episode is produced by one Aaron Camaro. So if it sounds like garbage, I guess it's my fault. But I did my best, so I think it's going to turn out good. Or it good. could sound great, and everyone would say, let's just let Aaron produce the no, episodes from now on. I kind of no, like the sound of that. No, let's not do that. It's too <laughs> much work for me. 
But uh, the cool thing about it is, even if you're not really familiar with Hair of the Dog, you know, you're going to enjoy the music because this is the Decibel Geek Podcast, and those guys are right up our alley. Totally. And you're going to hear cool stories about the Sunset Strip and the Rainbow and touring with Cinderella and Rat and Motorhead and hanging out with Neil Zolzauer. Is that <laughs> how you say it? Zolzauer. Zolzauer. Well, yeah. that's a tough one, but man, he sounds like a cool guy. So it's it's a rock and roll history story all tied up with one of my favorite bands of all time, Hair of the Dog. So before we get into that, of course, we got some things we got to take care of. And one of the things that I always love to do is peruse the iTunes reviews. Of course, we're available on iTunes. That's the best place to find us. You just go there and subscribe, and every time we got a new episode, boom, you've got it. You don't even have to do any work. You know, it's always there for you. So I like to go back, and I know you do too, and we get some great iTunes reviews. And I want to take a moment now to read one for you that we've got just uh, not too recently, not too long ago. And the title of the review is called Jokes fandom and rock and roll i like it already and this one comes from shawnakin and this is the way it reads hi this is steve jobs turtleneck and you're reading an itunes review for the decibel geek podcast chris and aaron work relentlessly to shed light on a lot of rock and metal that gets ignored and they do it with an obvious rapport that if you're into the genre you'll likely be as entertained as i am that said if i had any bone of contention to pick it's with the reoccurring tendency to run down types of music which they don't like. Do we do that? No. Nah, not us. We're going to have to work on that. Um, less <laughs> of that would be a good thing, so we'll take his word for it. Still, the show has enough bright spots to overcome that. I also appreciate that they have enough of a sense of humor that they don't take any of this too seriously. So, yeah. Five stars, rock on. Thanks so much. I That's think it was Sean, awesome Sean Aiken. So, yeah, thank you so much, Sean. No, it's one word on there. It's pronounced Seanakin. It's like, you know, like Anakin Skywalker. It's, it's like Savage Animal. It <laughs> just rolls, rolls off, off the tongue. tongue. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So, you know, like I said, we've been having a great time around here lately, and we're glad everybody's getting involved and in, in coming on board with us. And if you want to get involved in the, in the conversation, the great place to do that is our Facebook page. That's Decibel Geek slash. Well, Facebook.com you know, Facebook, slash Decibel Geek. Just yeah. go to Facebook and look up Decibel Geek. Right. We're right there. It's just that easy. It's easy. Get involved in the conversation. You know, we got a bunch of great responses to last week's show there. And, uh, of course, you can't forget DecibelGeek.com. That's where our main headquarters, that's our bat cave of rock and roll. It's the nerve center. It's totally the nerve center <laughs> of everything we do here. Yeah, got to check that out. A lot of great articles going up, and the you know, coverage of festival shows. Our writer Baco is at Northern Invasion as we speak. So cool. So he's been hanging out with rock stars and sporting the Decibel Geek shirt. and Getting uh, all kinds of pictures taken. That's right. So, yeah, it's super cool. And uh, how, how do those guys have time to do Cobras and Fire and all that cool stuff? I don't know. He's a busy, and he's also in the band Jesus Chrysler. So See, all that stuff worth he's a busy checking man. out. So when you're done listening to this today, go check out Cobras and Fire. Absolutely. And, they, yeah, they just put out a, a cool interview with Bruce Kulick. Fantastic. I loved it. You got to love Bruce Kulick. That guy is so cool. Super good guy. Come back to Nashville, Bruce. Um, and then also, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention our Amazon click-through deal. Um, you know, last week we decided we were going to read off some of the purchases, and I uh, thought maybe you know people would enjoy hearing what 
some of the folks bought. Well, right. I don't get the list of who bought what. We just get the list of what was bought. Right. And it seemed to really go well because we had like a lot of uh, purchases after that. So uh, some of you probably want to hear what hear what was bought in the yeah, past week else, on Amazon. What, we got, what was bought since last time? Okay, since there was a uh, Secu Power desktop USB charger. Okay, um, everybody could use one of them. An Acer tablet AC power adapter, a Kingston Digital Data Traveler flash drive. Um, Peter Rabbit Organics Carrot Squash and Apple Puree. Nice. That's a very rock and roll purchase. <laughs> also, another rock and roll purchase, pull-ups training pants with learning designs for girls. Oh, Billy Hardaway was working on that. Oh, that's hard. I'm just kidding, Billy. Billy got a bun in the oven? I don't know. Um, and then we had a, a lot of music was purchased, and we're real See, happy yeah, to hear that. It doesn't, that shows it doesn't have to just be music, but it's very cool when it is because not only are you buying stuff through our Amazon link, you're kind of turning us on to stuff, too. Uh, yeah, like here's is a, a band called High Spirits, and an imported album called Another Night was bought on CD. Hmm. Uh, also, oh, let me log back in. Amazon's being a bitch. Um, also, Back in Black was bought on vinyl. Don't say that about Amazon. They're our only damn sponsor. That's true. <laughs> we love um, you, Amazon. The 30th anniversary edition of Defenders of the Faith was bought. Right on. Hell Des yeah. Destroyer Remastered was bought. Can't go wrong with that. Uh, Holding All the Roses, the new Blackberry Smoke was bought. We oh, just nice. had a great review of that on the yeah, website. Yeah, that was cool. I like that. Let's say just some other things that were bought. Metal Priestess by the Plasmatics was bought. Awesome. Uh, Theater of Pain on vinyl by Motley Crue. Very cool. The 30th anniversary of Screaming for Vengeance was bought. I wonder if that was the same guy. I'm not sure. And maybe. then uh, Midnight Madness by Night Ranger. We've never played Night Ranger on the show. Maybe, no, but we could. Maybe, maybe somebody's trying do, to tell us something. Yeah, maybe we could do a heavier side of Night Ranger. Uh, Life Sentence by Satan. That's right. Satan has put out an album. Um, oh, right on. I, don't know, I bet no, you that's heavy. I don't know. There was a band called Satan. <laughs> wow. All right. Is uh, it the band or is it him? I, I, I guess him it, it's got to be him, right? You know, I don't know. Because, I mean, you don't want a gimmick infringe on Satan himself. I mean, that could cause that's you some trouble. Bad juju. Um, yeah. White Lions Fight to Survive was purchased. That's cool. All kinds of cool stuff. A lot stuff. of good like stuff. That. And then... Um, yeah, all this whole list reminds me of albums that I don't have yet. Yeah, we I have to, to buy some get. of these ourselves. The, and then uh, Office Products Pilot Frixion Erasable Colored Pencils were bought. So, yeah. <laughs> well, it's it all counts, and it all helps, That's and we right. appreciate it all very, very much. So all that cool stuff that was bought on Amazon, you're helping us out. You you might help us get a new mixing board, which we by need. the looks of things <laughs> and the smoke coming off of it, we really need one right now. Yeah, it looks like Cheech and Chong's house in this point. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, so uh, before we get, we got, got to really hurry up and get into the hair of the dog discussion with Aaron and because it's a got, long, great discussion. There's all is. kinds of cool, funny stories in this. Yeah, absolutely. So it's um, a rock and roll journey. You guys are gonna love it. Trust me. I'd be, uh, I would, I'd be bad in my duties if I didn't mention Geeks of the Week. And you guys love the last episode. We had a lot of shares and retweets. These are people that shared on Facebook and retweeted on Twitter. Those of you that are new to the show. So if you like this episode. You want to get your name read off next week, share it on Facebook, retweet it on Twitter, and I'll read your name off. And actually, I got one person. I'll have to pause for a second and get the name, but I'll do it in just a second. Oh, you forgot him again, didn't you? Yeah, let's go ahead and pause right now, and uh, I'll get that name because for some reason it doesn't show up when I do it. Hang on. And, and we're back. And, and we're I, back. And you I got, got it? Yes, I got the name, and okay. we'll, we'll start with him first. Jim, let me get this right. Freeburger or Freiburger? 
And this is a guy that's been sharing the link all along, and all he along. actually sent us a message through Facebook, which is a great place to get in the conversation, as I've said a million times, and let us know, hey, you guys are messing up. What's going on? The Facebook is on the fritz. Yeah, so and all I, my only guess for this is maybe if, if I'm not friends with you on Facebook and you have your posts that are set to private, maybe I'm not seeing it. That's all, my only guess. Some kind um, of crazy technicality. We definitely yeah. weren't ignoring you on purpose. I'll Absolutely tell you that. not. That's why I'm mentioning your name. Jim Freiberger, thank you so much. And all these all other awesome people. Yeah, the Geeks of the Week this week are Mike Blunt, Ben Mitchell, Mark Alden-Taylor, Todd Cunningham, Matt Ashcraft, Dennis Gamaz, Aaron Baker, Scott Ollinger, Cal Hens, Wayne Cross, Chris Karam, Justin A. Six, Joe Royland, Ian Wiley, Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, Derek Novak, Robin Bennett, Colin Francis, Mike Stewart, Brad Kalmanson, Joe Lascon, Josie Mbelli, Warren Money, Baco, Aaron, Andrew Jacobs, Brent Walter, Billy Hardaway, Sit and Spin with Joe, Brian Knapp, Darren Park and Wayne Newbert, Mike Stewart, Rob Webb, Chad Pollock, JTB's Groovy Record Room. Okay. Um, the Rock and Donkey, Paolo Thomas, Ernest Aguiar, Collins podcasts are the best. TJ Cullen, eleven seventy one. Steve, Kevin E. Williams, Hoops, DC, the Mooger Fugger, mm-hmm. Daniel, Daniel Chaput, Rocco Rama, Music Mags and Wax, J Motown drum, drummer, and Uncle Doug W. Uncle Doug, awesome. Those are our friends right there. Those are the people that got the back of the Decibel Geek podcast, and they love rock and roll. And they're helping us keep it alive. So uh, we've shilled enough. We've talked enough. We've got uh, everything out of the way. And now it's time to quit messing around and get to the fun. Here's Aaron talking with Ryan and John from Hair of the Dog. I went to L.A. first. Yeah, I went to Guitar Institute out there in 88, GIT. It was in its infancy. It was still real small before the Japanese company took it over. And you were living in Michigan? Yeah, I was yeah. from outside Detroit area and then moved to Hollywood because I started playing guitar at like 14 and just caught like wildfire. And That's that, where you had to go. Yeah, exactly. There was no question. It was like, all right, I stay in Farmington Hills and, or I uh, go out to the Sunset Strip and went out there, went to school. For like a year, I had some guys in the high school band with me that were, I was trying to milk along, be like, come on, dudes, we're doing this. And uh, so eventually they started to filter out there. And, you know, we'd go through members and uh, we, we had a singer, but we ended up getting rid of him. Mm-hmm. It just could tell the, the dedication wasn't there. Yeah. And we looked for like a year, almost a little, little over a year in LA, like just going through everyone and could not find the right guy. And then I got a job with this guy, Desmond Child's producer, right, other sure. production assistant. Oh, it was nice. a really cool gig to get and was, you know, learning a lot about the industry and meeting people. And and I played it on the low, like I told him I was in a band, but I just didn't want to be too, you know, it seemed like okay. pushy. On yeah, the exactly. Way. But then the more I was with him, the more he asked. He's like, so come on, do you have any, you know, what kind of stuff you guys doing? What are you looking for? And I just had told him, really, you know, gave him a brief outline, but Desmond, to his credit, he's just mm-hmm. had good instincts. He, he was does. down in Nashville. He was at EMI Publishing. He was a publisher at the time. Yeah. And uh, I'll let Ryan pick it up after. So I yeah. get a call from Desmond saying, basically, John, you know, I found your singer. I'm like, you did? He's like, yeah. where is he? He's in Nashville. What's he sound like? I haven't heard him sing, but yeah. I know he's the guy. Yeah. Wow. He's like, here's his number. But yeah. Ryan can tell it from... And the thing is, you got to realize the reason he was in Nashville is because he was there when Nashville was probably... If there was ever a peak when Nashville, a point where Nashville looked like L.A. did in the 80s as far as metal getting signed yeah. and having a lot of hits, Nashville was then at the time. It was Alan Jackson, Brooks and Dunn. For a new wave of country. Trisha Yearwood. Yeah, I, I mean, everything was just, expo- Garth Brook, yeah, I mean, it was Garth just Brooks exploding. Exploding. Yeah. yeah. So, Des came to town, it's like, and Des was in his 
it's peak right there. He's written for that's the kind of songs Aerosmith, yeah. Bon Jovi, Alice Cooper, Kiss, Cher, just Michael, Michael Bolton. I mean, he was uh, everything he was doing was just don't jet, yeah, just killing it. Right. So he's like, I'm gonna come around country music. And EMI is his public. That's why he was in town in the first place. It had nothing to do with Because what he does, you know, lends perfectly to... But that's the thing. He was here, he was, you know, 2,000 miles from L.A. where I was, and there for, like, nothing to do with, obviously, yeah. me or the band or... Yeah, he was thinking of And he you. meets the guy in the tape room yeah. and starts talking to him, and in his head, he's like, yeah. hey, you know, some petties. <laughs> yeah, so literally that day we talked, and I flew out a week later, didn't I? Yeah, I mean, we talked on the phone and immediately hit it off. So you like Kiss? Yeah, you like Van Halen? Yeah, you like Bon Jovi? Yeah. You like beer? <laughs> you, like, yeah. you like Aerosmith and Nugent? Yeah, okay. So let's you play guitar too? Yeah, which was interesting because we had never had a second guitar player before that. That's right. Yeah, that's which right. now I can't imagine the band without it. And, uh, so and it I was literally, interesting. I was like, you yeah, know, that's cool. I literally, <laughs> I literally flew with my Les Paul and my Marshall head. So imagine carrying that heavy I remember I was at, and Boo, actually, so Boo was an original guy from high school with okay. me. And uh, so he, we went to the airport to get him and we we're like, how are we going to pick this guy out? And he was like, I think that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> that really was true. Yeah. That was it. But the funny thing is, we had a blast. We did everything we jammed for 20 30 minutes seriously they played me three songs they'd written and of course everything was with no vocals right didn't have any recorded music and i played them I'm like well i had this idea and the song we did called lucky, lucky that we never recorded that. and we kind of knocked structured that out and kind of scattered phonetically some melodies over it and then i was like i'll see you in a couple months I mean, basically. Wow, just, but it was like he got in on a Thursday, left on a Sunday. I never sang. No, he never sang. That's the thing is, but be, besides the jamming that went on, we went out and tore it up, and yeah. we just found real quickly that all right, the chemistry is here. Yeah. And this guy was <laughs> like, to the chemistry to the point where he was saying, "I'm ready to get back on this plane and tell you guys that I'm going to pack up my truck and drive out here." That's how much yeah. I believe in this. And yeah. uh, so I did. It took it yeah. took two <laughs> months. It took two months because I was like, I wasn't making a lot of money than anyone in tapering. I mean, you got to think at that point. Nobody makes money in the tape right. room, but it wasn't any money at all. So I'm like, give me two months just to save some money and get my shit together and pack my trailer and get out there. And then I didn't even have an apartment. I just went down to the state of their house the yes, next day the and the next day the went and found an apartment down the street. It was a mile away. So we had the band house and Ryan was like a mile yeah. away. And you know. <laughs> Yeah, that's really the way it went down. We had a blast. <laughs> all we did was go out. And we practiced every night. That was the thing. As crazy as we had so much fun, but we were so dedicated and serious. Like yeah. five nights a week religiously. At six o'clock, we fired up. We had the garage soundproof. We talked to all the neighbors. They were cool. We were like, look, you won't go past 10. And we worked the hell out of those yeah. songs. And it was a great band house. It was a full-on house. Had a pool. house. Had a pool. Had a hot tub. Had the garage. which was I mean, it was a perfect. Corner lot. Yeah. yeah. And but, so it, but, you know, we went out a lot. We practiced a lot. And then it took, it took a year to go... This is no good, or this is no good. That's pretty good. This isn't okay. Now let's look at the elephant in the room. I'll be the bad guy since I'm the new guy. This is your high school friend, and he really was, but the drummer didn't work, and he had to be let go. And then talk about the period of really waiting it out, trying to find a drummer. I wish. Well, but what happened was initially we had an immediate. Ryan had a really close friend from Kansas. That's right. That, so that. initially we got rid of that guy. It was tough. I had known him the longest, but Ryan was right. He came in, he's like, look, I'm seeing this clear from the outside. I don't want to be the dick, but if yeah. we're doing this, you know. And then Boo goes, I'll be the dick. It was three or four weeks and we had this guy out there. We'd started jamming and it was great. Yeah. He was more of a, he didn't have the love for rock and roll. He wasn't bleeding it like we were. Right. He was a great player. He liked music. Yeah. 
But the way it went down, I still remember. It was bad. Again, we had built, we had just recorded our first session with him. We had great demos. We started shopping. We had a sold-out show at Club M. Yes. Yeah. The shithole in the valley. But it was big for us. But it was us. a big club. Huge party planned afterwards. And right before that show, he quits. Aaron says, you know what, guys? And I got some news. I'm leaving. We're like, what? Yeah, I got a gig. When are you going? Tomorrow. Yeah. And it just, it was like, you know, if you were cool, you wait till yeah. at least after the show. Yeah, do it. But anyway, so that's why it went down. But then, then after the parade the, of fools. Then was the parade of fools. <laughs> I'm trying I just, to find a guy. Dude. Because there's just so many levels on getting someone to fit in your band. Right. Sure. Cause if they play great. Musicianship uh, is like that much of it. It's got to be there, but. Yeah, it's got to it's got to jive on every level, you know. If they play great, but you don't like the guy, or right. if you love the guy but he can't play, and it was like, and it was sometimes with this, the whole thing was like he can't play, and I really don't like this. And we, then there was, we wish that we had a camera set up for everybody because we had, dude, it would have been the best reality show ever just yeah. to see the, <laughs> it was coming through. Yeah, we were putting right. it out everywhere and anywhere to try to find someone, and uh, and I don't know if we were laughing, we'd be crying yeah, at some point. It took a long time. It took a long Some of the guys, we would go to their place. I remember that one dude, we went and met him because he didn't have a car. We were like, all right, you know, we'll go see him. He gets there. We're talking to him. He never looked up, man. He was always looking down. And then we started asking about a drum set. He's like, well, I lost my kid. I got a snare drum in the closet. We're like, oh, no. Really? And then finally, we're like, what's wrong with this guy? He looks up and he smiles. And, like, all his teeth were gone. Somehow he had... <laughs> So he, he couldn't even look at you, so we're thinking, how can you not look at us? You don't have a car, you don't have a snare, you have no teeth. Yeah, it was reti- it was crazy. But you want to be in the band. Yeah. <laughs> but we did, but we Finally, we ended up finding Johnny. Yeah, we never we never quit doing our thing. It was just we had to we just had to keep writing like someone was around the corner. Like, well, the guy will we'll find it, and we did. We found the dude. Yeah. And then, and then when Johnny joined us, I remember again. It was we rehearsed. We were ready. We started playing, and then it was the last White Trash Bash. Every summer at the band house, we had this thing called the White Trash Bash. Yeah. And it was 1995, and with Johnny, and the last one, you know, we went through, I think it was nine or ten kegs. We had Red Dog actually sponsor the party. Yeah, Red Dog. <laughs> and I, we cleared out all the furniture in our living room, and we had Marshall Stacks and the kit, full PA, and people just, literally, there were 400 people that showed up. And we charged five bucks a piece. Uh-huh. And, uh, and it was to raise money, because Ryan had a producer down in Nashville that he was friends with that offered and said, if you can get the guys down here, I'll record you guys for free so that was we made a ton of money I had an old trumpet case that we were stuffing the money in and I remember when Ryan was leaving at night I just shoved it yeah because they didn't want the the money at the house and he had this trumpet case (laughs) (laughs) he used to keep boozing it I followed Johnny Blue in it and and they were all like man we gotta get this money out of the house because I mean there were people I went to bed at like 5 in the morning and there were still 40 people every every stripper in the valley and every band guy in the valley. I mean, people didn't even know, but it was just like, you know, everybody, the rainbow Five basically came to our house. Yeah. Everybody it was from, all you could drink. Yeah, everybody from the yeah. rainbow came. I mean, you'd see bartenders from the rainbow, and they're like, hey, what, you know. It was, we had a KNAC DJ. That's right. KNAC DJ. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Crazy so Craig. We could build nice. stripper platforms into the little outdoor there's, fo- there's video of all that somewhere. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. But That's I remember we, some of were leaving. I, so I'm leaving with the trumpet case, right? Two grand in it. A little uh-huh. over $2,000. 
I'm walking to my truck, and outside the window, he, I hear him scream, go, Hey, Cookie, go all the money! I was like, Damn it. No. Just my trumpet. <laughs> I remember that night, like, cars were just parked up and down the street. And we had red beacons in the windows. Yeah. So it looked like a, a crime scene. Yeah, signal. that's right. We had sirens going wow. in the window. It was, but the, again, we went out yeah. to the neighbors, and we were always. You know, we got away with murder because I think we were yeah. smart enough to, to approach it the right way. Handed out letters to all the neighbors, letting them know that we were going to have this party and that they were all invited. And, yeah. you know, nobody called the cops. And uh, I remember even after our show, it must oh, have God. been like midnight or one, and I'm out on the sidewalk. Not alone, but hanging out there. Yeah. Just shirtless with a bottle of scotch in my hand. And uh, cops come driving by. It's like, officer, like, just keep it in the yard, please. Oh, yeah. Nice. I it was cool around there. It like was the cool. courteous rock and rollers live here. I guess. Kind of, yeah. I guess. And, uh, but, you know, we really did. We were just out of our minds. And uh, yeah. somehow always landed on our feet. And But, you know. We but were also, we were so dedicated and serious. Right. That was just part of it. We had fun, but we, had, we got the work done. And we had... Yeah. I mean, we we had schedules that we wrote down. We had goals. It was like geeky ways of planning it. But we knew, like the national trip, and yeah. So we went down there with Ryan's good buddy. We we actually I don't even know where it, where it is in the the big picture, but the one when it really started rolling and we knew we could leave is we finally were doing well around L.A. Yeah, we played everywhere. So what? you guys going by the name Hair of the Dog? Yeah. Yes, we were. Yeah. We were we, what's the story with the name? I mean, obviously, most if you look it up nowadays, un, un, I mean, back un, then un, you probably didn't think of Google search. Yeah. But nowadays, of course, you're always going to get the Nazareth. Man, there's not a good story at all. That's no, exactly what I you remember. think it is. It was about us waking up drunk or hungover, and the only thing to fix it was Hair of the Dog, and we said that every day. It was a yeah. I just That's literally the, how it... We were in a thing, like, all right, we got to... It was when your buddy Aaron joined the band. That's when we kind of were yeah. looking for the, the name. And uh, it was a Sunday at the band house. We're all just laying there. Oh. And somebody was in the kitchen. And uh, Boots like, you want one? And I'm like, we we're all like, yeah. So he's there. And he's like, there's the dog. And he threw it out. And a light bulb went off in someone's head. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and that's, I mean... It's not a sexy story. It's no, just no. the way it went down. It was a lifestyle. Back to Nazareth, like I knew that song. It was never a life-changing song for me. Or it, 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 it's cool. It, it's it is surprising. I mean, because even though that's the first thing everybody thinks of, because that song's so huge. Right. Sure. But it's just I remember thinking I couldn't think of anything more that I wouldn't want to name my band yeah. about. Just because right. we were just on such different kinds of bands, you know. And it never, but it was always just a drinking thing. It felt right. Yeah. And it was, uh, it, it yeah. had a nice ring to it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but we did, you know, so all that was going down, we played pretty much every place in LA. The only place we didn't play was the Viper Room. I mean, we played the House of Blues, we played the Whiskey, we played the Roxy. We, I mean, all of them. Yeah. We played them a lot. We played a lot in the Valley. There was still little places like Berkeley Square. The Roxy Square. was left over in the Valley. When Sunset started going more towards, you yeah. know, whatever the hipper flavors were, you could yeah. still find good rock clubs. And so Mancini's, yeah. Berkeley Square. FM Station was FM still around. FM Station we yeah. had a great time at. Great time at FM Station. Um, what was the, uh, there was one that was on Ventura there. Maybe it used to be the Country Club, but it became something else. Pal- the Palomino. Palomino was one. Palomino, yeah. Yeah, anyhow, so we were just booking this, you know, we could only book a certain amount of gigs because they didn't want you playing within, like... Radius clause. Yeah, if you played last week at one place, they were like, oh, you're not going to draw what we need, so... Yeah. We were playing about, you know, once a month, something like that. And we hadn't hit the road yet. And then what happened was, wrote, recorded, and got Cadillac Jack done. And across the board, everybody that worked with us, people that didn't know us, anyone would play it, that all of a sudden became like a reaction song.
Yeah, the first night we played it, yeah. I remember. And it just will work. That was the first Harry Potter song ever. Well, what happened was, the reason happened, yeah. do you remember when you were working radio a thing called Album Network? Yeah, sure. Uh, if you could pay to get a track on Album Network's CD that went out every week, or every two weeks, right? And they would service every station. So we paid like 600 bucks, something like that, to get the song on there. And then it, it, it was the lowest track. I think like the, the further down you went on the list, the, the less, cheaper it got. So yeah. we were like number 17 out of 20 songs. Okay. Yeah. okay? And you know, the deal means people who don't know, you pay to get on this. This was like 600 bucks. And then they service it to all these stations throughout the country. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what track they picked? It was Cadillac like Jack. Jack. And all of a sudden, our and then it just done. Our man, my sister was repping us, and uh, yeah, she started getting calls. It's like, what? We're number then, one in Medford. Yeah, Kansas? no places we never even heard of. Kansas wasn't that the first place? Maybe. Oops. I remember. I remember. I remember in Medford. That wasn't Kansas, but it was something. Oh, no, Medford was Oregon. I'm sorry. What was the town in Kansas? Weird gig. Mike but, Mentor was the DJ. That's I remember. Mike Mentor, yeah, but, that's, but that, but that literally, that is how the whole thing. That's what we got. On, we got on the road for like six shows. And then we never came home. And what would happen was we were able to, because of these radio markets, go out there and do, like, West Plains. Yep. We went to in... Uh, Missouri. Missouri was the first. We had two nights there because it, we went top five there. So, like, can you do a radio show? And at the time, Rap was doing their first reunion tour since they had broken up. Yeah. And... We met him in Oklahoma City. Yeah, my sister just started calling and saying, you know, I want to get these guys out as openers. And she got us a handful of dates. We had three or four shows that we were like, wow, this is going to be great. We'll go out for a couple weeks yeah. and head back to L.A. And we went out there. We played those. We played our headline shows, played those first couple shows with Rat. And the thing was like, hey, guys, you know, what are you doing? We're going to Florida. Yeah. You want to come? Wow. And all of a sudden, another week. Yeah. And another week. So your sister's week. managing the band? Yeah, because yeah. she, she was managing Steve mm-hmm. Vine and Desmond. Because what happened was when I was working for Desmond Child... My sister had moved out to L.A., and I got her a gig as an intern there. Yeah. And so she just worked her way up the ladder, and she decided she wanted to be in the music business. And, like, Desmond knew I wanted to be in the band, and that was the main thing. So right. she started working there, and eventually kind of took over the office and the management wing oh, to the nice. point where yeah. she started her own business. And Vi was one of the clients who kind of came with her, and Lit was a band she yeah. it was called Stain or Razzle at the time. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And so yeah. it was natural for yeah. her to just start repping us. And that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. so we ended up super with cool. Rat, yeah. And we were in a van. Like the first tour, when we went out, we didn't really expect the rat thing to take off. We were in a cargo van, no trailer, just one bench seat and the two seats and all our gear. So we were like, uh, before, before of us. Four of us. That was it. Wow. Tooling around. And, uh, yeah. and so we did that up until Stephen fell off the stage in Milwaukee at Summerfest and broke yeah, his knee. That's right. And they suspended right. the tour. And we were already bummed, but it turned out to be the best thing because with that break, you know, it was negotiated like, hey, let's take these guys out for real on the full second leg. And that's when we ended up going on a bus that time. Yeah, that's when we got our first bus. I know. Yeah. Cool. And, and then we, yeah, we did another two and a half months with them. Yeah. And then I jumped off that, went to Cinderella for another. At that point, again, going through the drummer thing, Johnny just didn't work. There were. Demons on the road, I guess. Yeah. There's so much that yeah. we were talking about goes into, and it just yeah, wasn't yeah. a healthy thing. Yeah, so we, man, he was a fantastic drummer on that album. He man. was great, honestly. The guy, and yeah. he was a little older than us, and there was, but there was something about it where, like, when I think about Ducky, is amazing. Yeah, Ducky was a super nice, fun kid, and yeah. and yet Johnny, there was just yeah. Johnny just laid on the back of that beat like Bonham, where he's like yeah. so far back he was falling off it, and uh, yeah. but yeah, so anyhow. Bad good news was uh, we had a Cinderella tour offered to us. Bad news was we had no drummer and we had two weeks to find another guy. Dang. So we auditioned. I remember Ricky Parent. 
That's right, Ricky. Passed away now. That's he right. Yeah. Yep. And uh, so he that's came right. to L.A. and we we jammed with him, and he, you know, we hung out at Nam with him. That's right. But he was with us enough, and still wasn't ready to to leave it. That's and right. then we put out an ad. We got a room at MI Musicians Institute out there, yeah. and auditioned like ten or twelve guys in a day. And yeah. and Nick was like, okay, this guy, he can leave. He's you know willing to do it. And yeah. so we made the best of it. He was a band aid. He he was just there. Till we could figure out what was going on. And even that, he didn't embrace the band and everything. It was kind of like doing his own thing while yeah. we were doing it. But, you know, when we all had the greater cause and the greater good in mind, right. we had to endure and say, I mean, just make it through. Because we knew... And we knew before we got... We knew at the end of his run. Yeah. Before the end of the run. We knew when the end of the run was. We knew that we had already started thinking. And, you know, Freddie from Cinderella told us he knew. That's right. Yeah. And he's like, you got to call Mike Dupke. And that's right. That's exactly what happened. That's how so John... Right. So, connected us. So, so, how, so John, how do you know Mike? He was in that Ducky was in Nashville and Freddie was in Nashville and had a studio and had been recording people. Is that what it was? Yeah, and somehow he knew Ducky had done a session with him or something. He's like, Wow, this is a great kid, it's a great drummer. And I remember walking, we were down in Panama City, killer show, you were off doing your thing. Yeah. <laughs> and Freddie and I remember we're walking back to the hotel on the beach and he's like, you know, let's talk about the band. I was like, All right. He said, You know, there's an obvious problem. He goes, You guys are very tolerant, he goes, We you know, we see it. He said, I got a solution for you. I was like, what? He said, you know, there's a kid in Nashville. He's amazing. He's kisses his favorite band. He said, you know, we'll totally get along with you guys. He's a really solid player. You need to call him. And he was so confident about him. He said, you need to call him. And I forget, we were, the the run went from, we were down south, and then we went to the northwest. He's like, he can meet you there where you can make the change on the road seamlessly. Oh, we didn't, right. uh, at that point... We said no. We were like, you know what, we're really specific. <laughs> we want to be tight. And we, we, we over-rehearsed, if anything. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. and so he's like, all right, that's fine. But when this is done, you know... Um, so we flew to Nashville at the end of the tour. Yeah. And walked in in Ducky's basement. <laughs> I missed the plane, remember? Oh, there was that the one, yeah. <laughs> so he, uh, but yeah, Duck, we walked in Ducky's basement. He was, what do, you, what do you want to hear? We're like, just whatever. He's going to play Whiskey Tango. And we literally, and he sat and played two songs. He put headphones on, and we sat there with beers in our hands. I said, yeah. He just come to L.A. It. So then we had him come to L.A. and actually play with us. We're like, well, he can play with the record. Right. Let's see him play with us. Can he play out of time and out of tune? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he was great. And he worked out great. He, he did the, the, the Wagner record with us. Yeah. Rise. And when we were jamming with him in L.A. at that rehearsal studio, or it was, I remember Call Me Fire was spawned there because I was warming up with that riff. And you're like, what's that? That's right. I don't know. That's and, uh, right. Yeah, we rented a place somewhere. Yeah, Color Me Fire. That's where yeah. we started. Yeah. 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 That's cool. It's a. I told you about a couple months ago, that's a collection of separate demo sessions that we did. I right. mean, because Cadillac Jack came out and then... Alone, Stomp, and Monster. We that's right. in Nashville. That's right. Next session was Cadillac Jack, As I Am, and Killing Heart. That's right. Cadillac Jack. All the drop D stuff. Yeah. All the drop D stuff. Yeah. We didn't want to retune in the middle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cadillac Jack, you know, goes to radio and hits, and then suddenly DJs are saying, when's the album coming so out? So we live. And Rude is like, my sister was like, this elite track. You know, we hopped in the studio then, and we blasted out five more tunes, which to me, yeah. like in my heart, I think are the five songs that really represent. Yeah. Yeah. We were at that moment, that's I remember, in the I remember, microcosm here of the dog. The way things would usually go down was like one of the two of us would have an idea and come play it and then he'd go okay we had this little cassette recorder and he'd go okay and he'd hit it and we'd sit and play the riff or whatever we had and then I'd scat like phonetically a melody and then he would take off and write lyrics and that's the way we always did it no matter who came with the idea and I remember like you're right it always started with a riff and 
he had like he had the beginning of the Cadillac Jack, and then I had the one we go that and we just literally put that together in the garage. Remember that? And then he came in by himself with "As I Am." My hair's too long. My dreams are wrong. Well, damn you all. My heart is strong. For those who care to understand, see me, hear me, as I am. That whole thing went, and that was really cool. He had that thing. Oh yeah, and you were. All, I think we had Cadillac Jack killing art, and you were like, "Dude, that, we don't need another drop D. I don't exactly. want it." And I was like, yeah. "Well, listen, you're like, it's such a great riff." And then so we did that, and then I remember being in my apartment next door to him because we lived three buildings apart: my building, a metal building, and his. And we were both on the top floor, and this is before cell phones or anything. So whenever he was on the internet, you had to plug in the. Yeah, yeah right. So I call him. Use the phone. That's right. <laughs> and it'd be you know the whole busy thing. So I just open and go, race, race. I got something. I'd see him wave out the window. And he ran over, and I literally put together Southern Cock and Whiskey Tango like within a night of each other, and came in and had like the basis of that. Those are the so the songs to me that happened in that last session. We just ran in because we had to fill out a record. Yeah. It was Southern Cock. It was Whiskey Tango. It was Sweet Lady Vegas. It was the party ain't over, mm-hmm. and. Oh, Satin Girl. Those five songs, it's like the spirit, everything about it. Like, mm-hmm. I hear that we recorded with this producer, Matt Gruber, who was our good friend. He was, he was Desmond's, you know, right-wing man, and we yeah. became really yeah. good friends, yeah. and he would party with us and hang, and yeah. the, the chemistry in the studio was insane. Yeah, and like, fun. So to me, that really is, we found our sound there. And yes, Cadillac Jack and the, the heavier drop these stuff is part of it, but at the core, yeah. like, I hear those tunes, and it's still yeah. just, it makes me want to just go nuts and run through a wall and uh, yeah. <laughs> it's high energy rock yeah. girl we used to always go to Vegas and uh, Ryan and I partied <laughs> sometimes we just go on our own yeah, and, uh, I remember we were staying at the Hacienda which isn't even there anymore laying out by the pool just the cooler empty beer bottles and Ryan's nickname had become Southern Cock just started calling because <laughs> <Yeah>, no. <laughs> you know he moved to LA from Nashville so he still had a twang and uh, somehow Southern Cock was the thing it just got short to Southern but we're laying there and we're half in the bag it's like Four in the afternoon in the sun, he's like, Hey, you think we could ever have a song called Southern Cock? I said, Hell yes, we could. I said, Come up, give me a rip. Because you know it's got that weird, really <clears throat> low recitation during the verses. Yeah, this like if you're gonna get numb, you'll be like people that know me are like like that's not you. 
Right. Talk, but, but you were sick when you did that. Yeah. That, that vocal in the Satin Girl vocal, poor Ryan was sick. That's as right. Dog. That's right. And we only had three days in the studio to get everything. Yeah, we had to. Wow. It was either get it done or don't get it. But I remember, but that song was so fun live because I couldn't do it like that live low. And right. It was fun just to yell it. And dude, that song went over so great. People didn't even know us. Or did we purposely put that like number three or number four? Yeah. And that's and Ryan's setup was always great. You know, yeah, we, we always there, we just go pedal the melody. It's like, hey, it's gonna, we're gonna slow it down. We're gonna give you a nice little love song. Boo! You know, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Nice. yeah. And that song was just such a blast. Southern Cop. Yeah, that one and party and like yeah, whiskey riff. Yeah. We brought that. It yeah. was immediate. It was yeah. like all right. And I remember whiskey tango came from. We had a a friend who somewhere down uh, in Orange County. Apparently, the the police code or radio, you know, uh, thing for white trash was whiskey tango. single to yeah. Cadillac Jack. Absolutely. And it was bigger. I remember we yeah, got an end huge. of year radio report from Wausau and Party Ain't Over was the yeah. number one. I remember yeah, yeah. seeing Metallica in the number two spot. Yeah, like, yeah. Huh? yeah. It's like, That's a trip. charts and I remember seeing you know the debut and rise both in the Up top there. 10 at yeah. the same time you know, yeah, like, it was cool to see stuff cool. like that though because party was like that uh, whiskey tango went over huge live was another great one just yeah. those, that big sing-along chorus to, to go places and you know so they caught Vegas. we used to open the first the rap where we opened with Sweet Lady Vegas and I remember that was our first so we were playing these shows in LA a club band and we get out there we do the show the first radio headlining show in 
uh, West Plains. Cool, but still, you know, it's like, all right, it's us. We get on the stage with Rat, and that was the first time we were, okay, we're in a different city. It was a huge crowd, and I just remember the nerves and thinking, what the hell is going to happen here, you know? And we kicked into Sweet Lady Vegas, and immediately it was on. It reacted. Yeah. And uh, I was like, all right, things are going to be all right. Because <laughs> that's got to be a trip, you know, getting out there and wondering how it's going to go. Dude, it know? was dreams come true for sure. I mean, yeah. and you know what? I always think there's. There's higher levels we could have taken it. We didn't reach the headline arena status, but right. in some ways, someone once said to me, they're like, dude, you know, the, it's not standing on top of the mountains the best part, it's when you're almost there. Yeah. That's like when you right. feel it, there's yeah. that anticipation, everyone's sensing, that's a special moment. And in some ways, yeah. we suspended that moment for like four years. Yeah, we really we were nice. so close, and we were there, and it was like, okay, are we gonna break, are we gonna break? And so... Yeah, you gotta admit, it's like, if it, it is true. It's like, man, we never gotta do the forum. You know, by you know, or do the you know, or pine knob or like that as hair of the dog. But he's right. Like there was a four year period to where we stretched it out because it literally was like at the point like it was going to tip any second, and we were playing places that were big enough to where people would come see us and go, "It's going to tip." And you like, felt the energy. Week. You were there. That's another yeah. thing about hair of the dog. I felt like it was such a. You know, it all became one. When Ryan was saying, we're your hair of the dog, it was everybody in that room yeah. was. And it was, yeah. that right. was something so special the about people it. People loved to connect with that man. It was just such a trip because, and we would literally walk up and go, God, I can't wait when this thing finally does tip. You know, and the yeah. thing was, this stuff happens. And it, But it, if it would have sucked, we wouldn't have kept doing it. And there was four or five years of it was just that level of so good that you're like so excited and love doing it. And it was above the point of where you were going... I can't do this anymore because it's a drag. It never was. A no, drag. it was. It was rough, and we toured under some pretty hard conditions. I mean, you know, five guys staying in the same hotel room and all oh, that. And at the yeah. same time, we experienced the uh, you know yeah. the sweet tour bus and everyone having their own suite. And uh, and honestly, it really went both ways. It's like it was just how do you fun try? no matter what. When when our tour manager was sleeping in the bathtub and we were all crammed in a hotel six room, you know, yeah. we had yeah. as much fun as when we were yeah. ordering room service. And yeah, no, it really did. People always say, people always people always want to know how do you travel or what do you get. Or the, my favorite was always have to show people like, so how would you make tonight? It's like fuck you, man. How would you make tonight? People would want your clothes oh yeah like, i'm not giving you my shirt yeah, 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 totally. oh, yeah. that's all i got <laughs> but i do remember coming back from because also to do it you know we lived lean but once yeah. we started going on the road we got our, i put all my shit in storage i didn't have a place to stay yeah. and so we got back from that one cinderella tour the first leg of it and getting back to la and i remember like being that show in louisville we were top of the world it was like wow this is it we're rock star status and i'm sleeping on a bare mattress in my buddy's apartment because I didn't even have a place to live back then. Wow. Yeah, and Boot and I both had places, but it was just funny. But once they had, you got, once they had you, girlfriends, yeah, so they had yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And once you got home, though, two days. Once your laundry was done, we were ready to leave. When you get back to LA, I mean, you talk about coming from Louisville and being huge, mm-hmm. you know, and then going back to LA. Are you guys getting the kind of attention there as you are? In these no, because everybody places? was in a man. And the thing was, I will tell you this: there were like a. You remember like Tattoo Rodeo and all those guys? Mm-hmm. There were a lot yeah. of different bands, and I remember them like running into them in the grocery store or whatever, and they'd see us in Polestar, or they'd see us. So I knew there was awareness. People were always really nice for the most part. There were always there and was there always were, there were places like that we would go and maybe well, you, well, you know us the getting rainbow, on, we'll get know, our own booth I, at the our rainbow. Our poster went up at the rainbow, and uh, we had our booth for ten and, years. And I remember being this is a, sitting in this booth. It was a Thursday night. This is one of those times when I was like, all right, we're kind of making it. We're sitting in the booth. Ryan and I, and uh, people start joining us. There's some, and then they, the, there's some girls who were, they were dancers or porn chicks or whatever. And we're sitting there, we're talking about our band, 
and you know the rainbow is spinning our CD, and she's like, "Well, what do you guys sound like?" And Ryan's like, "Kind of like this." <laughs> <laughs> nice. So that was cool. Our record player, they let us throw our record release party there, which was fun. Yeah. Right. So they were really yeah, good. It's an uh, awesome place. A lot of people, and like people yeah. in LA, started really taking us under their wings. Lowe's our photographer became. Yeah. Yeah, still oh, yeah. one of our best friends. Huge supporter for us, great friend. And uh, yeah. in the beginning, we didn't have the dollars to afford Zlo's, but uh, yeah. Zlo's was no. doing it from his heart. And from <laughs> he, was always, he was always so funny because we'd get in there, and it really was. He would do it for basically nothing. And he knew we loved to party, and he'd party, and we'd be hanging around, and he'd drink Mickey's Big Mouse. At that time, that poor guy, he wants to take pictures of rock bands, and who's he taking pictures of? Lumberjacks. Man, you know? he was, yeah, the yeah. thing was, that's the one, I will tell you, though, that's true, and also, though, that guy... It has never slowed down for him. He is sought out by everybody. Yep. I mean, oh, yeah. as, the, as, the, as the musical climate and landscape changed, they all knew what I mean, he did. Look at I remember, seen, like I remember him seeing doing, you know, as much Van Halen as he did. I remember right, right when he did the, when Slipknot was just starting to kill it. And I looked down in his studio one day and there's all this Slipknot stuff. And I mean, all the new bands would come to him. I mean, he's done. Right. I mean, every, you look at his Guitar Heroes book that he did. That yeah. was, yeah, it's sick. Yeah, Everything. It's, it's, it's uh, great. That guy's for us, though, I mean, Ryan and I growing up is fans of who we were. I mean, I had Zlos' posters. I knew the name because of the Eddie posters that were on my wall. Yeah, right. And so when it was like, we're shooting with Zlos Hour, and yeah. I saw the geek the first time. Oh, we had Eddie. What was it like when you were yeah. in the <laughs> No, we have photos of us at the photo shoot with him drinking Night Train and Mickey's and all that. He knew, but what I was saying earlier, he knew we didn't have any money, you know. And we had a little, but not enough to command what he usually charges. And he's like, hey, man, it's all right. I know you guys, you know, I know you guys don't have any money and that's okay when, you know, some point then later down the line, we'll, you know, we'll get some money for you. And then somebody will go, hey, man, you want to buy some blow? Then we'd all, like, have a money and say, wait a minute, you got money for blow, but you don't have any money for pictures? <laughs> and he's like, I'll take a little. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, he was great, man. Good yeah, dude. And he actually, I remember when we were, he put in a call to Stephen Piercy when we were on the fence about getting those rat dates. And, um, and he found out, Mm-hmm. And he put in a call and said, these are good guys. And I don't doubt that that had some... And I know for sure he did, too, because I was riding down the elevator in Oklahoma City before the first show. And, St- and Steven got in. And I said, hey, man, I'm riding for anybody. He's like, oh, yeah. Zlo's hour called about you guys. So I really... You know, Zlo said he was in a I don't something. doubt that that, you know, put it over the top to give us a chance. Yeah. Nice. yeah Fortunately, and then from there, we just proved ourselves. Yeah, Zlo's is great. With Cinderella. That's the guy you need on your show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let yeah. me talk about know. stories. <laughs> Imagine. Oh, he's retarded. Like we're just gonna start a new podcast and have this guy on every week telling stories. <laughs> I mean, he was like Forrest Gump and Rock everywhere. I mean, he was there and yeah, part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he really was. He was the fifth member of Van Halen yeah, for yeah for a long time. Come on, boys, let's take him to school. Come on, two, two, three. Out of control, out of control. Kiss those bags and let them roll.
studio musicians or these no. guys with all these chops, but we played tight as a band, and that was yeah. our. Oh, that's the thing. Yeah, we connected personally. We connected, musically. We we, it's we rehearsed fun. the shit out of those songs with no vocals. So a lot of times bands are going to track, and it's tough because they're not singing. Mm -hmm. We could do it in our sleep. Oh, easily, easily. Yeah, we, we found we found Dubkey. We grounded out for that tour. Dubkey never got a tour in support of the first record, which 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 was a drag because right. to, just for him to have been there when you're getting your foot in the door and to see it go from seven people to, I mean, 7,000, I mean, whatever, several. The, that's something that the four of us will never get. I mean, you know, he's out playing with Wasp now, right. which is great. And he has been for years. For yeah. years. Yeah, for years. Awesome. I mean, they make their living in Europe, which is great. So Mikey's getting to do festivals and stuff, and it's great. But New Wasp album coming out pretty soon. Is it really? Oh, yeah. Oh, cool. But, you know, as far as the one thing that the four of us had was like, to, to literally see it go from the, here to here. From right. yeah. It's I mean, like, hey, you, can't, you, you, can't, the dog. <laughs> you can't tell somebody that and have them go, unless they did it, you can't tell somebody that and have them get it. So it's like, say, you know, the like the, the chase is better than the catch, you know, and to, yep. the journey, to, to miss a it's good the part journey. of the journey. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely, and that's yeah. where... It's like, that's why stuff like this is good, because it's like, just sitting here, like, he'll be saying something, the whole time he's saying it, it makes me think of, like, what went on during that period or whatever. Yeah. There's stuff that I completely... The me forgotten, too, dude. The, the Wausau show, when you brought it up, I forgot. I was remembering in my head, I was like, oh, there wasn't a show, they threw Rat on, we went, but then I remembered, no, Rat was canceled, and that's what we were going to do. It was actually Cinderella, because Tom Blue's voice. I'm sorry, voice. Cinderella. Tom Cinderella, Blue's exactly. voice. Yeah. yeah, so all that guys. And, and you know what? Speaking of Tom Blue and his voice, it was very, like, you know, fortuitous for us, because we were in Louisville, we played the Toy Tiger, which is now gone, which is just, just an amazing room. Yeah. And Amazing show that night. Yeah, yeah, cool ballroom, just really cool place. And we had a bunch of shows in that area lined up. And we were just like, this is going to be a great run. And the next morning, Sunday morning, tours off. Not postponed, tours off. And I was like, what? They're like, we're off for three weeks. And they're like, well, we're going back to Michigan. I go, I'm not going to Michigan. I'm not going to L.A. We're in Louisville. Oh, yeah, because we had family. Boot and I both had family out. We were like, all right, we'll go up there and sit, see what, you know, the storm passes and see what's going on. I'm going there for three weeks. And I'm going to California for three weeks. So I'm like, I'm going to Nashville. Put my Greyhound. I'm going to Greyhound because <laughs> I missed the flight. I missed the one flight that went that day. I took a Greyhound. And in hindsight, I could have just rented a fucking car. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't <laughs> but, yeah, you're how low. But it was like, so I took a Greyhound. For like twenty six bucks, and came to stay with my friend for a couple of weeks, and that's when I met Wagner. Because oh, yeah. Aruda called us, our manager said, "You know what? Michael Wagner's just been doing a record." And we're like, "What the fuck?" That's right. Who was this? Bob Ring was was that? He was manager? managing Zach Wild at the time. But he got a copy of our first record to Michael Wagner. Yep. And that's like, right. And he let, and, Bob, and Bob was managing Zach. So he actually so Mike Wagner actually sought you guys out. Huh? And I went to E, and I was running around Nashville. I got here on a Sunday. Easter, and then hung around for a while, and then the next day I was in town calling Michael and setting it up and going and meeting him, and that was the first. That's that's when we met Michael, and then we and then John came. John and I came back together. To we came back. Well, so we finished. That was the middle of Cinderella tour. We kicked back up. We did another couple months with them, and then it was in the fall. We were up again in the Northwest, and yeah. that's when we decided we couldn't take it anymore with Nick. We had to bail off the tour, and we were like, all right, this is we got to find a new drummer. That's when we circled back. We, we came to Nashville actually to do three things. I think. To see Dubkey, see Dubkey, see Michael, to see Michael Wagner for the first time yeah. together, and then also we did some writing with. Uh, That's right, Bobby Huff. Bobby Huff wrote five to nine with him. Nothing changes. What's up, boy? Every day's an instant replay of the one before. I ain't complaining. 
because when Ducky rehearsed, and then Ducky came out to LA, and you know we holed up in a studio doing all the pre-production, writing songs, working on them. We were sending CDs back, you know, to Michael that had just. We were actually sending bat tapes. That's what it was. We had bat recorder, rough track, so he could hear it and be involved through the pre-pro. And it was, I mean, we were going from okay, we're kind of self-produced, then we had Matt Gruber, our good buddy, producing us. We're like, this is a dude who's produced all of our favorite bands. He's worked with some for me. He's worked with the best. Guitar players that were my hero. Oh, those Skid Row records. Yes. Extreme, White yeah. Lion, Vito Brada. Dawkin. Dawkin. Yeah, George. Yes. So George Lynch, Nuno, and Vito Brada were top five guys for me at the yeah. time. And, yeah. uh, right. and so yeah. I was worried. When we sent those first demos to him, we were just like, all right, what's he going to say? And I remember him being like, "These are great songs. Yeah. Are great. I'm get, I got ideas already." And yeah. I don't know if he was just bullshitting us to <laughs> yeah. to keep up the spirits because he was always good at that too. But it was that was a blast. You know, he had that. He had the studio was on Wolf Hoffman's farm. Right. Yeah. Uh, way out deep Mountain Juliet. He concentrated on drums. Right. When we tracked with him together, and then get the bass going. Then he would always come do the lead guitar last after the vocals because he always said. He said there's always those sweet spots where you can put a lick in between like a vocal thing and Man, he was so patient. So it, it's just like... Totally. Totally. It was so much fun. And uh, besides being a wizard, you know, having great ears and being a wizard behind the board, he was a great like psychologist to manage. Because obviously, even yeah. as close as we were, they were arguments. Oh, and all the time. And that's what fueled him. We got the best <laughs> out of it. Like Ryan and I, obviously... <laughs> all the time. We did all the writing. So yeah. we'd be going at each other and sometimes... But the longer yeah. you work together, the more you learn to be like, yeah. when to back off and to trust yeah. each other. Because yeah. there'd be certain yeah. things... And Michael was great. Yeah. yeah. And so there were... I, I remember... Things getting heated and uh, you go well. Why don't we eat? That was the point before you know Tina got him in line. Everything. Now there's bowls of nuts and fruit and stuff in the studio. Yeah. When we were there, it was bowls of Snickers bars and Snickers and licorice and the licorice is still there. M and M's. Yeah, it was chocolate covered pretzel. I mean, just shit everywhere. So he was dipping his hands in that, and we had just the fridge loaded with beer, and you guys were drinking Crown Royal. The whole time. <laughs> and I remember this was, and I don't know if this is sad or cool, but one of the things that made me most proud is he said that we outdrank any band. <laughs> and I was like, I said, even Skid Row, he said, even Skid Row, holy shit. <laughs> he still talks about that, he's funny. But no, because you guys were taking the Crown Royal bags, and Michael had a ton of guitars. And every time they finished one, they'd put it over like the yeah, headstock. Yeah. And so all the guitars were <laughs> yeah. had these, you know, velvet uh, cases over them. That's awesome. No, he was great. He was just like the great idea guy. And yeah, to think at the time too, you guys were probably a breath of fresh air for him. Too, yeah, totally. Too, yeah, because what he got he'd it. been working on. Yeah, he got it. This is what the kind of band that Hair of the Dog was was exactly in the wheelhouse of a guy like Michael Wagner. If yeah. anybody's going to take you guys and make you sound as good as you possibly can, yeah. which I think on that Rise album you do. Yeah. Thank you. you know, yeah. it's, it's Michael but Wagner. you're right. And, you know, the flip side, true. If there's a, you know, we were, when we were getting guitar sounds, pulling up guitar sounds with Gruber for the last tracks for the first record, we were referencing Skid Row, Slave to the yeah. Grind. And you know what the funny thing was that he, he told us was um, when he finds something that works... He'll do his best to get everybody who he's working with to do that and go like, look, even though I'm using the same thing, it's going to sound like you, but this is the best place to start with what I'm currently doing. And he's got these, he's currently got, because he's got every amp known to man when you go to a studio right now. Yeah. I was out there again about a month ago. And now he's got this new deal that he's using that he's sampled all that amps into and that's his new thing. But back when we were working with him and he was working with the Skids and Nuno and Vito 
and George. It was the 88 preamp. Those guys all played through the same rig. But then he told us, too, that they had uh, there was some other thing that was connected in there that was the magic. It was into the 88, but he had some sort of equal, I forget what it was, oh, yeah. but it was the unknown that nobody said anything about. It really kind of tweaked the sound. We, went, we had Soldanos at that point. Yeah. That was another dream. We got an endorsement. Talk yeah. about a shot in the dark. Yeah. In the middle of the first record tour, Sent a thing to Saldano Amps. Well, they saw yeah. us. They saw us in Seattle. Seattle. Was and I was playing through a Hot Rod 50 at the time with a mod from Eggnator that we got yeah. at Sean Colligan's place. That's right. We loved it, and we saw them. We were still a baby band, you know. Sent our stuff, and they endorsed us. We got the endorsement, but they're a boutique amp company. Uh-huh. It's not like, a, you know, a Fender Twin or a Marshall JCM 800 right. where you can just go to Guitar Center and pick. They were really a boutique amp company at the time, so we ordered the amps. They had to build them. Amps weren't done yet when oh, we came to Nashville. Right. There, was a, there was an amp shop downtown, and retail stores hate this, by the way. So oh, Soldano yeah. calls the shop and goes, we have this new band, we need that amp, and they're going to use it. And he's like, it's the only fucking one I have on the floor. <laughs> and, I go, and Michael goes, and Sean goes, just call him and call him. I straight it out. Who cares if he gets mad? Sean Ballou, was that the guy? Yeah, Sean Ballou. And I go, awesome. okay. So I called him. I'm not going to say the name of the place. So I go down there and I get it. And the guy was really pissy. He's like, man, this is my only fucking one. And I'm like, okay, man, I know. But Sean said, I go, look, we're still having a couple days. Yeah, but two <laughs> 50 months. 50 days yeah, later. <laughs> but we needed it. We had that. Yeah, there was a decade. That's right. <laughs> we didn't have our rigs yet. And I still had the Hot Rod 50. And, uh, yeah. That was a badass amp. There's so, so much gear that I've sold. Like, we're just going to take this back we're just gonna, for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I remember dropping it off was just not a pretty... I was just like, you know, we'll never see the fucking guy again. Let's just like, you're going with me to take it back. <laughs> That's right. Somehow I got out of the first one. <laughs> I got to work on my soul. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, just in a couple of days. But that, that is how that happened. I remember, I forgot about that. Yeah, so we tracked everything. The first song you cut vocals on, you remember? Can't Fight You. Yeah. That was the first time that I've ever actually worked with someone that actually 
to help me that I really felt great singing with. You know what yeah. I mean? Because it's just always weird. You always hear yourself and you're like, either, man, do I sound like that? Or, God, I can sound But You know what I mean? And right. the first thing sure. with Michael, I remember like there was one thing in the middle I never would have tried. And uh, seeing Michael just completely like touch down through there, yeah. I was like, this is going to be a good record. And we never really would have started with that song. I love the song. I love that song. That's the yeah. one. Like, we used to play that live oh, yeah. all the time. Definitely. Here's the bad side of it. Michael called, we all had the highest hopes for You Were The One. I mean, that song to me still can cross over and just do like a million right. things. And Michael used to call that our Pink Umbrella song. You are the one who drives me crazy. You are the one that's got me high. You are the one that don't mean maybe him. Baby, you're the one. Tell me if I'm wrong. But I think we can agree What we've got ain't ordinary You and I are there For each other all the time I can't believe that we're just friends So I wanna say Something that's been on my mind Something that I haven't told you yet Ever since we met Pink umbrella song. I go, what do you mean? He goes, this is a song that's going to put us on the beach with pink umbrellas. In our drinks. In our drinks. I was like, yeah. But what happened was we cut that up, we cut it early, and we had demos. We had rough mixes, not demos. These were the the masters. We had rough mixes. Yeah. And we drove back and forth and back and forth, listening to that thing, those things every day and night. And we got so attached to the rough mix of that song that when he mixed it for real and it came back, it was three days of, of, uh, of us, him convincing us that the vocal was too loud here, was too loud on the road. He's like, guys, it's just a rough. We're like, yeah, but we like it better. He's like, well, I'm right, and I've done this longer than you. And we're like, yeah, but our ears don't think you're right. And the three of us, which is always the way that we kind of counted the band, was me and him and Boot, was like the three of us, you know, no disrespect to Mikey, but it was like, we think this is better. He's like, no. It's not. We're like, yeah, it is. So he would sit and change it, and then finally, then he would relent. To his credit, he'd relent and come back and go, okay, look. Well, I did this, and I split in the middle, and I think it turned out fantastic. Now I listen to it. I don't. I can't even imagine what we were complaining about. Exactly, there. but yeah. there was some rub at the at the time when it we were. It was demoitis. We got addicted demo-itis. to that. And he said, he, I remember him looking at me. He goes, Ryan. He goes, you're you're fighting me on this. And he goes, this is why you guys. And he when he said you guys, he went bands in general. Right. We don't want you guys listening to your fucking rough mixes. 
But we insisted he burned roughs for us to listen to, and and he was, and he, you know, what? he, he did. He, he yeah. was amazing. He hated us for three days. <laughs> but even with the mixes, he would have done it. But you know what? I knew that. You know what? I knew we were okay though, because we always had Sundays off. He's like, okay, we're taking Sundays off. So we'd always go run around, and one day we were, and this is after that thing where we had been through the you're the one thing. Yeah. And like I said, and when I say that, See, we never fought. We didn't. It was. It was. It was always just. I'll say passionate conversations about. Sure, but not a lot of pouting. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was never like, oh, fuck that guy, or he was like that. Right. Mm-hmm. But I remember we left feeling per, pretty dis, pretty disjointed on the Saturday, going, man, yeah, he's been doing it a long time, but we know we like. And, and granted, he's right. Yeah. He was the one who was right. But I remember. So anyway, we were leaving, think, feeling pretty uncomfortable, and the next day we were at the mall, <laughs> the three of us. And there was a pet shop, and you know those pet shops in the mall. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a, and there was a pin out in front of the mall, like a pin that had bunnies in it. <laughs> and we were both the three of us were sitting there looking at the bunnies, kind of petting them. And I over my shoulder, I heard someone go, "Metal guys don't like bunnies." <laughs> and it was Michael. And I, was like, <laughs> I was like, "All right." I was like, "Okay, we're all right." So we, even on our day, we tried to get away from each other. Here's my memories of you are the one, like. Uh-huh. I remember, you know, really you and I coming at it from that intro where there's like the, the guitar thing and right. I used to do a little more of a stutter strum, it was more of a Rick Springfield thing or like a Neil Sean mm-hmm. Stone in Love and we got in there and Michael kind of mentioned simplifying it and you just jumped on that train and I was like, no, uh-huh. no. And I remember digging my heels in and then... The compromise we came to is that I just do it straight, and then on one of them I did like a little stutter thing. Uh, yeah, and yeah, I mean, I'm free about that. you know, but that was a, an example of the things where when you work with someone long enough creatively, we develop this trust where even if I didn't believe it, I'd been down that road before, as Ryan probably had with yep, me, yep. and you recognize like, okay, when somebody's so adamant, this is where I'll just trust it. No, but even then, and like, and we learn to know when to say when. And now, obviously, I listen back and I'm like, yeah, it's way better because it, it brings attention to that one when you do it differently, yeah. and it becomes a little subhook. And, and Michael could really split the difference. And I remember yeah. also boots back. <laughs> there was one thing. There was one thing that goes. Uh, so. I can't think, I can't sleep, you're inside of me so deep. Wait, and then, can't you see, there's like a what you're doing to me, like an uh-oh. What you're doing to me. this really gay <laughs> line that added it. like an answer vocal of what you're doing to me that was kind of floating out there and Ryan and I were just like <laughs> no, no. Michael being like making every motion he can to kill it but Boo really wanted it and he fought hard for hard for it and uh-huh. John and I were just sitting there and he finally come out he goes he goes to Michael he goes Michael you gotta say something Michael goes it's not good <laughs> Because Boo was working on an album art for it in the little yeah. studio lab, and he went out there and he had his laptop set up. And he just grabbed a bottle of vodka and slammed it down. And poured it down. <laughs> oh, I forgot oh, about man. that line, that stupid line he added. That was great. <laughs> that was great. I think there are any other rubbing points on the record that were. Oh, I remember one like oh. for "Rescue Me." Uh-huh. This is one, and this was something where, I mean, by the time we got to Rise, the whole hand thing, I was in the middle of it. That's why Ryan 
Ryan took half the leads on it because it was just like, I'm not going to be able to do this. And it ended up being better for the sound, I think, because I love what it's, Ryan... The split is it because we play so different. Yeah, because yeah. the first record, Ryan did the slide stuff, but otherwise I was doing lead things. And on yeah. this, I was just like, yeah. can't do it. And uh, so Rescue Me, though, was one of the songs that I was going to do a solo on. And I had this... It was like the Shred Fest solo that I worked out yeah. and everything. And... I think two things. A, it probably would have been too much for the context. And yeah, B, yeah. it probably would have taken a long time in the studio to get it right. So anyhow, I've been practicing that. We get into the track. The other guys, I don't know where they are. I'm in there with Michael doing the solo. And we're doing it. And I can just see Michael's, even though I'm getting it, Michael's like, I'm not sure. And uh, so we break for dinner. We come back. And Michael drops the bomb of like, you know what? I think we need something different. And, uh, and for me at the time, I really didn't have the ability to do anything spontaneous because I had to play around this thing. And so... I was like, shit. And uh, Ryan's, and actually, we kicked everyone else out. It was me, you, and Michael. And, Michael. and Ryan gets a Les Paul in his hand. And uh, You can sing that solo. We made something And Ryan totally just different. started doing yeah. something. And it was, and it, it, the thing for me, like, I had something in my head to change on a dime, knowing this is what we're committing to, was always hard. Yeah. And to your credit, man, you just oh, came yeah. up with it. But and the thing I remember about that, too, was that we sat there for two hours and started one line. And when you listen to Rescue Me, listen to just like how the, you can sing that guitar solo line he sit he sat and picked out every harmony that, and it ended up being like eight harmony parts That's of right. that solo so it was me with the guitar Michael at the helm and John I beat them with one line I go okay what's the, what harmony goes with this he'd be like well it's this that's right and we would sit and we two so hours we teamed up on it Ryan would come up with the melody and the line and then yeah. and we layered that thing and now I listen to it and I can't imagine it being any other way it's pretty cool I remember, remember laying it down. It literally is like we played it together. You know what the weird thing is? We never played that live. No, we couldn't. Yeah, you know what? Not. You can, you know what? We could never do anything with acoustic live because we didn't have the manpower yeah. to we do didn't it. Carry our own sound crew and everything. Because obviously, to do that, to do it right, you really have to have a big production and be able to know you're going to have stuff. And when, you're the, and when you're running, when you're on the fly every night, and if yeah. you have an acoustic that you put in the mix, you know what's going to happen. It's going to feed back in the wedge, and it's going to sound like shit, it's going to be a headache, and the time that you fuck with it, you could play another cool song during right. that. So we just right. totally... We always get made our... Especially as an opener, we want to be plug and go. Right. If we didn't get a sound check, but most of the time we didn't, we wanted to know that if we didn't hear ourselves, we didn't that, you know the, whatever. You know that's the reason we opened with Sweet Lady Vegas, is because of that. Because mm -hmm. I told, I remember telling him a story that I heard, because Cheap Trick used to do a thing with Hello There, and they always joked that when they were on the road opening for bands, even when they got bigger, a lot of times they wouldn't get a full sound check, and you know how Hello There starts, right? Right. It's just guitar. And then snare kick. And then third guitar. Then bass. Then the vocals. And they joke, that was our sound check song. Because when we didn't get sound check, the line check. Dude, Sweet Lady Vegas is the same thing.
tours that we couldn't have our own crew and it happened with rat it happened with cinderella it happened with uh even the motorhead guys and those guys are hard they'd always be like well, we'll run sound for you the first night and then they're like well, i want to do it again and then we ended up getting their guys to run sound for us and then inevitably the lead singer of each man would come and go quit fucking running sound for the opener i remember being sound in, fucking great. i remember being <laughs> in wichita we were in wichita with rat and yeah well into the tour and you know their sound guy we'd become friends with everyone and we were on the bus with Rat's crew we were sharing the bus and so we were friends he started running our sound and it, it, we could tell like that the reaction was just getting better and better right. every night because obviously he was dialing it in and at that point we crushed it in Wichita and uh, next morning Tommy the sound he's like dudes you know, it's out of my hands but I'm not allowed to do it for you guys anymore and uh, damn and even when we were coming through Wausau headlining, we were going with local sound guys. We weren't bringing sound crew with us. We had two roadies and uh, Russ, but Russell. Yeah. Remember uh, Tommy? Yeah, Tommy was the guy who got pulled off it in Wichita when he was like, "Next morning, sorry, dudes." Yeah. Do it he would just be going to be like, "Hot D." Uh-huh, hot D. As soon as they finished up the sound check. <laughs> no, we had a lot of fun. And I, I, I remember specifically, and it was early on when Ryan had joined the band, and he was. Thing. We were all working too. We uh, we were doing this, but we were working jobs that we didn't love because we had to do we, it. We and had to. Ryan got home. Ryan like usually would go home from work and then come to the band house for practice. It, it literally was. He peeled in. Yeah. In his truck. I'm sitting there. And and he's like all the way. I'm, I'm driving. I don't have a guitar, and I kept thinking. Nah, 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 nah. Nah, 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 nah. And I go. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. So I just walked in. And was like. He ran, he ran in, he's like, get your guitar. I had a acoustic guitar in my bedroom. He went in my bedroom and he started doing that. It was, it was just basically, I didn't have any words. It's just, I go, I think it should be something like... And I was like, here. And he's like... I picked up my... And then he's like, wait. He's like, and then it just one of this. And then I did that little, I did more of Rick's freak wheel thing when I started doing it. Oh, yeah, totally. And that literally was how, but it. And then I remember that B section with the pig thing, the, uh, kind of Eddie on it. And I was like, did it? string kind of thing yeah. and then so again we had the tape he put the melody just singing syllable we went out like rainbow that. that night and I remember we were there and at the end of the night I met a girl downstairs as we were kind of hanging out in the parking lot and I remember she took her this is a specific memory this is kind of how the lyrics came she wrote her name and her phone number and lipstick on my arm and it started raining and I remember running to the car you know covering up my arm so I had that I became friends with this girl and she worked a night shift at a hotel and so I would wake up in the middle of the night and call her and talk there. It was this thing where we were friends, but just never... And it was like, okay, how come it's not going there? And it, probably because I wasn't, uh, yeah. you know, putting it. So, hey, that's the lyric you were the one. I remember being out at the pool 
one day having Ryan's melody and just thinking about this situation in life and being like, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think we can agree, you know, yeah. what we got here is an ordinary. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I forgot about that. I ran in the room, and that's the room that had the trumpet and the violin and all the weird stuff. <laughs> 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 No, that song's gonna land somewhere. That I mean, I can fun. hear. I mean, Katy Perry could do that song. Oh yeah, yeah super production. Seriously, yeah, yeah. I thought like a Zales Diamond commercial. Totally. You know those Match.coms, uh, the, we the, had the greeting it. cards that you Actually, open. Yeah, Ryan got yeah. us a, a greeting card off. They just wanted to rape us on it though. Yeah, they, they wanted. wanted they wanted. We would have made. We'd have made enough to buy guitar picks. If yeah, we they wanted. The they were gonna take publishing and everything, and it's like forget. It. <laughs> yeah. And that's one thing that you told me one time that you guys actually. You know, it's a rarity in this day and age for a band to actually hold on to what they created. But you guys, Ruta, our, our manager Ruta and uh, Peter Paterno were the ones that she had go over our deal with Spitfire, who's yeah. a musical a music attorney for a lot of really big bands, and she knew Ruta from her other work. Uh, we had a reversion deal that five years after the release of our first record. All the masters were reverted. all three of them reverted back to us. And I remember there was pushback at first because they were still up on iTunes and stuff under Spitfire. And so we got Jerry, I had Jerry Rosenblatt. He sent one because I had to go into him and they were just ignoring me. And then he sent one letter and all of a sudden it was done. <laughs> done. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So now we just got to do something with it to where, you know. So it's it back it, on iTunes? It matters. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's been on iTunes for a long time. And everywhere. Yeah. And we still get that. Uh, yeah. There's people finding it. It amazes yeah. me. And. It just makes me wonder sometimes. It's like I see all these labels, like you have your Paris's and your Rat Packs and your all that kind of stuff, which is great because they're signing a lot of the bands that what's left of the majors won't sign anymore. But you know, I'd love to do something just to just because it's such good music. Do a compilation and put some songs from each album on it, and just on one of those, just to see what happens. Just do a reissue somewhere. It's like service service it in Europe or something like that. Right. You know. What I would love to do is get a remix on Cadillac Jack because that's something where. To me, I love the song, and uh, the engineer we were working with, I just think yeah. the mix isn't there. It's a little funky. If Mike Wagner were to remix that thing, yeah. 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 yeah, it'd be great. But again, you know, I'd love to see the song show up in movies. Yeah, I've got some stuff on that metal show. Yeah, oh, we've had a lot. I'm publishing, yeah. I'm pitching for, uh, yeah, so who was <laughs> boot? And uh, when I, because like last season, I think I had stuff in, uh, you know, half the episodes. And it was because the music supervisor loved the music, but Boots like, you know, who are you blowing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it was on a lot of those episodes. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I think there's all, now uh, there were like three, he said, send me stuff we haven't used already. So I think I had three songs left to send it. But last year, Rise had, during one of those awesome things coming back from commercials, the yeah. the montages, Rise was in there. Rise was, Rise was oh, in yeah. there, Hammered was in there, Michael Anthony. The coolest thing for me, yeah, as being the huge Van Halen fan, when Michael Anthony made his entrance the one season, it was the whole intro partying over. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I think Southern Cock was the end of Southern Cock on something. Or? Yeah, that that was uh, used as bumper music on stations a lot too. Oh yeah, that, a lot of people that riff that. again. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, and it's it's wild, and it's I'm glad the music's still available out there now because, like I said, the first time around, you know, a good portion, you know, there was a few lucky spots. Yeah, that, got, oh, that got was a huge problem, and that's where like we kind of predated the internet age, and right. blessing and a curse, blessing yeah. in the sense that. All of our actions weren't, you know, showing up on YouTube <laughs> and Twitter and everything. But curse in the sense that we would go places and it was just like we love it, we can't find the record. And you know, that's oh, the old that school. That's the worst thing in the world to, yeah. to have the record be released, but you, no one can find it. Right. Yeah, like, because yeah. like in Wassa, in Wisconsin, 
Intersleep Records had it. Yep. But these other stores didn't. Right. Your best buys. You know, and your... I remember one time being on the radio and having somebody call into the station and saying, "Hey, I'm at Best Buy. I'm looking for Hair of the Dog, and I can't find it. Do you know where I can find it?" I said, "Are you in the Best Buy right now?" And they said, "Yeah." I said, "Put me on the phone with the manager." <laughs> That's great. And so then they put me on the phone with the manager. I was like, "Hey, this is Aaron David from Z104. I was just talking to a listener who's also a customer of yours, and I want to know where's the hair of the dog." Uh-huh. They're like, "Oh, well, you know, we'll get some. We'll get some right away." Uh-huh. You know, I was like, "Okay, put the other person back on the phone." That person gets on the phone. I say, "Go to Intersleep. They got it." <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. And actually, when we did Rise on Spitfire, they re-released the first record. That was and part then, of the deal. That like. Uh, it was on April 1st. Yeah. So when originally the the debut album comes out in what, 98? 97. <sighs> 97. 97, yep. And then it's re-released in what, 2000? 2000? They put it out again, and uh, and that's when we did start getting into Best Buys, and they were it was starting to spread. we got to realize, when we were just in a real quick interject, any record stores, a lot of the record stores we were in, we had product on the road with us, and we would have either our road manager or one of us would walk it in in Oklahoma City to Record Bar or, yeah. to, or wherever and be like, okay, and they would pre-order. And they'd we'd buy a certain number of units. We'd be like, okay, is Aaron here? Hello, I'm Aaron. Hi, I'm Ryan from Hot D. You ordered 10 copies of the, this. And we would literally do it right there on the spot. And oh, we nice. got a lot of records in stores that way. I mean, it was, dude, mean, it was it, you know, totally so DIY. People, they see you on the show, at the show and people don't have money on them or whatnot, so we could sell 50 or 60 discs at a show, but there'd be so many people that would go thinking, oh, I'll just get it tomorrow. And uh, right, right. You know, so that's why I say it only works there's somewhere to get. The way technology is now, it's it's definitely awesome for DIY stuff and uh sure. like see a great band say, I'm gonna download that right now, yeah. you know, yeah. or tomorrow or whatever. Yeah. But like the always being in touch and in tune kinda of takes some of the magic away too. Like the fact that everything's immediately uploaded, there's nothing, right. you know. Yeah. Yeah. And there's something special about, you know, getting off stage and going to your, your booth where your merchandise is at and hand-selling CDs yeah. Yeah. to people that you can see. Absolutely. Very happy and customers. you see the enthusiasm yeah. and you yeah. tap into that, and that's what... No, we sent, we sold a lot of records on the road. I remember, what, I remember, I think the drill was, every Sunday night, you had to fax in your sound scan numbers yeah. for the week, because sound scan numbers came out on Wednesdays. Yeah. So part of our drill, every Wednesday night, because we'd have... You know, tallies from each night to show how many records we sold a week to show up on SoundScan and everything. It was way different back yeah. then, man. It was totally... Yeah, it was archaic. And so and it's not even that far back in the rearview mirror. And yet, yeah. stuff changed technology. The speed of it is... What's going on is crazy. Yeah. It was cool nonetheless, you know. I'm glad to see you guys are starting to get, you know, a little bit of a resurgence... For myself, just doing Decibel Geek podcast and the yeah. reaction of the listeners that we've yeah, gotten, that's awesome to hear. Yeah, and it's it's great. To, I feel good about it. Me because, too. You know, I feel like I'm sharing something special that I know about that other people don't. You know, no, that's the truth. Because well, I like sure. telling people about you, like Mark. I like telling people about your show. Yeah, I mean, I want more people to do your show. Right. You know, because yeah. I mean, it's just because it's 2015 doesn't mean you know we all have to pretend that rock and roll is gone right you know it's it's still out there right you know it's just it a is. matter of time. Yeah. and the fans are still out there too that's the thing you know the experience of getting to see something so special like that like it just blow up yeah you know even though it was in my little piece of the world yeah you know and then to be able to take the music all these years later and still love it you know yeah. as if it's it's yeah, dude, thank you as i said that, yeah. that meant a lot yeah, yeah. oh it totally it was, and the cool thing was is like you know us seeing a blow up and everything it's like you were a huge part of that 
Right? You know, and, you know, which is great. And the thing is, is that, especially, like I said, you know, the fact that you guys came in and were so good to everybody, because like I said, I, I grew up there. Those guys yeah. are my friends and my family, and you guys always treated everybody so great oh, out there. Thanks. As I'm sure you did, you know, in all these towns yeah. and everywhere you we, went, you know. and So we got treated really great. Yeah, we felt so fortunate like to be doing thing. what we were doing, and anybody who was helping the cause. and Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was great. Really they were, awesome. We were grateful, and yeah. I don't know, and, and this... As serious as we took what we were doing, we never took ourselves too seriously. No. Right. Oh, dude, we had so much fun. Yeah, because we were, were still rock fans, fans, honestly. Whatever yeah. we were doing, we were yeah. still yeah. fans of rock and roll. Yeah. And there was yeah. never this us and them kind of mentality. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why people in the Midwest, the places like Wisconsin, respected you guys so much because you guys were easily talented enough musicians where you could have molded into whatever was popular. You guys right. could have been stained. You guys could have been three doors down, whatever. But the fact that you guys stuck to your guns and were what you were, mm -hmm. even though there was a lot of up in the air nose people saying, that's not cool no more, you shouldn't like that, right. you know? You're like Midwestern people in that respect. Yeah, no, where, we dropped you know, anchor, and it was just yeah, like, yeah. you hold on to it, kind of. You got to. And yeah, you know, we should. There's still a couple of people out there in the world that haven't heard a hair of the dog at right. this point. Hey, yeah. we're going more than a couple, but I uh, feel <laughs> <laughs> terrible for those people. <laughs> Man, yeah. this has been pretty awesome. Yeah, it's been thank great. you so much. It's, it's been, been good awesome. for us just to remember a lot of this stuff. It's like, you know. And to see what I'm not remembering. And I used to be the, the yeah. memory of the band. Yeah. Yeah. And be like, dude, what happened back there? And yeah, even pretty... as much as I remember, there we color it with our own personal yeah. perspective sure. over time. Yeah. Of course, absolutely. But we yeah, appreciate you watching you guys like spark each other's yeah. memories. We appreciate you doing this though. This is great. Yeah, man, this is what it's all about. You it's, know? It's, it's, it's rock and roll. It's good for us because it's fun. It's fun to, to look back at it. I never forget yeah. it. Honestly, it is. Yeah, it's one way or another. There's not a day that goes by that something yeah. doesn't. Oh, come the same way. Same way. No exaggeration. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's stuff that we did the first first time here that no one will ever get to do. Right. You know, it's just like the, the four of us. Or and the, the bond us. that's formed, too. You yeah. can't, uh, because you lay in the gutter together, you stand on top together, and that fight and the struggle. Yeah. And uh, yeah. said it before that I feel like is the holy grail. As I know, that last show we played at Mile High on the Rise Tour, it was November of 2000. Yeah. Somebody had a video camera on a tripod, and we gave him permission to film the whole thing. Yeah. So it exists. Yeah. And it's just never, uh, I think Nick Summers, whether he did or not, I don't know, said he put a call out on the air to try and, you know, see mm -hmm. who had it. But that would be like something I'd love to see because at yeah. that point I knew that was my last run. I knew with my hand what was coming up. And yeah. and it was really, it's still hard to think about. And But at that time, I remember after I did that show, I felt like that was the pinnacle. I was yeah. like, this is the best. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was awesome. yeah, that was a great show. And I was like, all right, I'm ready to. Yeah, that place, that show was great. That was fun. I just remember at the end of the show, you know, Ryan up on climbed in his cowboy boots out of the top of the PA system. <laughs> right. And uh, it was every we pulled out all the stops, and uh, yeah, and the crowd did the same thing. Yeah. It was. Is that place still there? That was a historic place, but it ain't. I uh, I still yeah. have an untorn ticket from that show. Wow. Yeah. Nice. So what was special about it is it was where it started. It was that Sunday when Cinderella canceled and we went there. Yeah. And then you fast forward and there we are back and By so it kind of bookended By it ourselves, in yeah. this way. Yeah, it was cool. I'm going to put out the call because there's still, there's now when we talk about technology, there's Facebook groups out there yeah. that talk about Merrill and Wausau, Wisconsin. Oh, so wow. I'm going to put out the call and see. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd I would be love cool. to get And you know, like Brian says, in our memory, it may live. Who knows what the quality, sometimes quality of tapes too, but I would love right. to see it. Yeah, there so. were moments. Yeah, that were, I, I like, no, I'd, I'd love, love to see it too. Yeah, there we go. Because I probably got to introduce the show. You probably yeah. did. You probably did. <laughs>
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 